Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of August 11, 2019. We'll begin with some updates on ACB Radio from Jeff Bishop, ACB Radio Acting Managing Director which is posted on ACB Leadership and ACBL on Saturday, August 10. A sincere thanks to many. Before we get into the meat of this announcement, we wanted to send out a number of notes of appreciation. Frank Kuda, General Session Archives. The team wants to sincerely thank Frank Kuda for giving us copies of the General Session Archives he recorded off of the ACB radio streams, Frank, you are truly a hero, and we thank you so much for your willingness to share this with the community. Rick Morin, the audio editing master. The team would like to thank Rick Morin for the countless hours of audio editing and production work he is doing now to get all our convention archive material to all of you. We will have more to say about that below, but thank you, Rick, for your tremendous effort here. Rick is not only editing the general session material, but also editing many more hours of content that you will have access to in the coming weeks. Stay tuned. We have a lot to share. Louisville Web Group. A sincere thanks goes out to Louisville Web Group for their ongoing technical assistance with some of the infrastructure of our websites. Thanks for helping us overcome some hurdles and keeping things running more smoothly. ACB Radio Website Updates. A significant amount of work is taking place on the infrastructure of ACB and ACB radio websites. You should notice significant performance improvements on the ACB radio website. ACB radio main menu podcast feed updates. We became aware of an issue with the ACB radio main menu website and its accompanying podcasting feed. This also impacted downloading files from the website. This has been corrected. Changes to the ACB radio schedule. Keystrokes returns. We appreciate all of the kind messages we have received about the new schedule for the mainstream channel on ACB radio. Many of you have inquired about the Keystrokes program. We are happy to report that it is returning to the schedule. The schedule for Keystrokes is as follows. Saturday, 9 p.m. Pacific Time and Eastern Time. Sunday, 9 a.m. Pacific and Eastern Time. Keep your feedback coming about the mainstream schedule. We truly want to get the mix right. ACB General Session Convention Archive Updates Many of you have been asking about the General Session Archives from this year's convention. We are excited to report that these are now available. You can get them all by subscribing to the ACB Conference and Convention Podcast. Search for this in your podcatching client of choice. The direct RSS link to the podcast feed is http colon slash slash acbradio.org slash acb-convention.xml. You should expect much more content coming into the podcast feed in the coming weeks. Again, thank you, Frank and Rick, for all of your help here with our General Session Archives. You guys are truly the best.
On page two, you will find Jackie Williams, principal of the Kentucky School for the Blind, presented a year-end review at the recent KSB alumni reunion. You will find some of her remarks on page two. And on page three are three significant articles that have appeared on ACB leadership in the past week. Topics include the lawsuit against Domino's Pizza concerning the inaccessibility of their website, final rules for traveling with a service dog on airplanes, and a new coalition on aging and vision loss sponsored by the VisionServe Alliance. And on page four is the Soundprints calendar. Page two. I would like to go ahead and get started. Uh, Jackie Williams is our uh, special guest today, and uh, for many, many years during our alumni reunion weekend, we uh, would ask uh, someone from the school uh, to come and tell us about what went on the past year and what might we be looking forward to in the future. We have called this our year in review, and so uh, Jackie is the principal at the school, and Jack, how long have you been there now? Two, three, two years? Two full years. And so um, I, I hope you will give her your attention, and she does intend to answer questions. So, Jackie, thank you very much for coming. Hello, hello. Well, since this is my third time being with you all, then I didn't actually prepare a full speech. I'm a little more comfortable with you all now since I know most of you, um, but I did put down some bullets to discuss. So when I first came here uh, two years ago and talked to you all, I'll let you know that our theme for the year was going to be under construction. And the reason for that was because we were literally under construction. The entire floor of the classroom buildings had been uh, removed and we were putting new tile down. Um, we had a lot of new staff and so we were really under construction. Um, last year when I came, then um, I'll let you know our theme was going to be KSB redesigned if you build it. So we were still in that construction theme because we were redesigning Hauser Dormitory, um, still had some new staff going on, and we were really looking to redesign KSB um, so that we can serve more students out in the state. This year we are finally out of the construction mode, and we are ready, set, go. So that is our theme this year, is that we are ready to move, ready to go forward, and uh, launch uh, to places where we haven't been before. So that's really the theme that we're going to look at for this year is ready, set, go. So as of last year, our center-based program, we had 71 students at the end of the year, and that's the highest number we've had in quite a few years. So we were pretty excited about our 71. Um, it had been hovering in the 50s. Um, for enrollment at center-based, so 71 was really good for us. Um, short course, who, the ones that ended up coming, it was 34 students. And um, you'll notice uh, if you've been on any of the websites, we still have a short course opening. So if you know a TVI who has five years experience, send them our way. Because um, the shortage of TVIs in the state is uh, really hurting our short-term program because we don't have people who have had five years of experience uh, applying. Um, we did have a former teacher of KSP apply who had left the year before last, um, but then he decided to go to Indiana with his wife and they moved there. So it's back open again. 
for outreach, we provided 733 direct services to students out in the state. And so each region um, has our outreach consultant and they had 70, 733 direct services. Indirect services were 1,657. So lots of indirect services that could be um, providing training for a district that could be um, mentoring the TVI in their district. There's a lot of new TVIs who are just going through the UK program and they are all set up with one of our consultants um, to be their mentor. We had eight students graduated and one's here today. Uh, we had one student age out and a student transferred and so um, with all the shifting around, it looks like we're going to start out with 60 students in August and then we have two meetings coming up in September that we expect those students to come. Um, last year we started out the year with 58, ended it with 71, so we're about the same as, as we typically are um, for the last couple of years. We had our summer work program this summer and I'll be honest, we were scared that we were not going to be able to have the summer program. Um, funding, I'm not sure how much you know, but funding is um, not the best for the school right now. We are still the line item in legislation, so that item stays the same, and it doesn't uh, account for any of the salary raises that were mandated to give um, based on JCPS's salary schedule. So that's in regulations that we have to use the JCPS salary schedule, however, <laughs> our budget doesn't accommodate it. Um, so the uh, KDE, the Kentucky Department of Education, actually covered the expenses for our summer program along with the Charitable Foundation. So uh, both of those organizations are the reason why we got to have the work program and our summer-based program. We had 60 students enrolled and those are from all over the state, um, not just KSB students. For our work program, we had 20 students and they were either at the zoo, Kentucky Kingdom, or APH. Um, APH, this is our second year of working with them. Miss um, Lynn always <laughs> helps us out <laughs> with, that, with those programs. And then um, we actually had one student hired full-time at Kentucky Kingdom after the work program. He stayed on. We had a couple others who Kentucky Kingdom wanted to hire, but the student didn't want to uh, complete the summer out with them. But we had one student, um, he decided to. Uh, the theme for the summer uh, program on campus was STEAM, Science, Technology, Engineering, and ECC, Arts, and Mathematics. And we had uh, 20 elementary students and 20 middle, school, middle and high school students that were signed up for that. And they had a pretty big week um, as well. Let's see. I'm going to try to cover all of last year's things before I go to the new things. We had a lot of student successes, um, and I know Ms. Belcher was here last night, and she discussed the athletic successes, which were pretty massive this year. Um, but we also had a former student, Shane Lowe, and he's one of the 150 young leaders selected to go to Puerto Rico in August for the International Congress of Youth Voices. And so that's pretty impressive um, that Shane's going to be able to have a voice on that panel and learn from that group as well. Um, we had the lieutenant governor came and visited students and she offered um, 
a challenge to the students to, um, for different ideas that they had. We had a couple students who talked about turning something in, but they didn't actually do that for this past year. So I'm hoping next year or this coming year that we actually have students who will join in on that competition. Um, Taryn Seif, uh, I'm sure you saw her name all over the place. Uh, she won lots of awards this year. She won the Dop Dr. Robert H. Thompson Award for Excellence, the Mayor's Distinguished, Distinguished High School Senior Award. She was one of three winners of the 2018 VSA Playwright Discovery Competition. Corbin Gravel, he won, um, his play was selected, A Man of Dance in the New Voices Young Playwrights Festival. And we actually took all the students down to watch the plays. And I was really hoping we could record, but they wouldn't allow any, <laughs> any photographs or recording of it. Um, but it was pretty impressive. Um, they take the students' plays and the actors in that theater act out it. The student gets to play a role in it um, if they choose to. And it, it's just a really neat experience. Most of the plays were pretty emotional. They dealt with um, experiences that the teenagers were facing. Um, and so it was, it was really neat for our students to be able to see his accomplishment there. And we had several students, including Mr. Stein that's here, um, awarded to go to, Alex, what was it called? Cyber... Jen Cyber Camp in Huntsville, Alabama. And so he learned about cybersecurity and lots of other things. Um, Alex Stein, Nicole Arnett, and Jason Crawford were those students. And um, they went a couple weeks ago and uh, got to participate in that. It goes along with our CTE programs. And so our CTE program is e-commerce and business. Um, but next year, this coming year, we are starting a new program. We're having our second pathway for career and, and technology education, and that's uh, computer science. And so Mr. Stockhausen, who is our high school chemistry um, science teacher, he's going to be um, teaching Lego robotics and engineering that goes along with that pathway. And so even our middle school students are going to get involved with that, so we're pretty excited about it. I'll tell you a little bit about our personnel changes for next year. Um, our director of special education is now Melissa Cantrell. Melissa was the director of special education for the Kentucky School for the Deaf. And the commissioner has moved her to be the director of special education for both state schools now. And the reason that I was given was because of funding, because there is just such a funding um, crisis that we're having. And so that will cut down on some of the expense that the state has. And so Ms. Cantrell's already started. She came to our first administrators meeting a couple weeks ago. She reminds me a lot of Jessica Belcher. She has that same type of excited personality. So, you know, we're really off to a good start with Miss um, Cantrell for sure. Um, and so Ms. Chandler, who was the director of special education, was moved to the director of student life, which is over the dormitory. Um, and so she will be taking on that position for next school year. Um, like I said, we need a short-term teacher. That position is open because Dr. Martin Munson, um, whom some of you may know, was moved from short-term teacher to director of outreach. 
And so he now holds that position, and which um, left the opening for that. Um, we have hired an MSD teacher, so a moderate to severe disabilities teacher. Her name is Catherine Dell, and Catherine has um, several years of experience as an MSD teacher, and she's coming and she's joining Ms. Yayo Rader as her team teacher for middle and high school MSD. We will be posting, so if you're interested, keep this in mind, a Braille transcriber position. Uh, Ms. Brenda Stovall um, retired this past year, and so we've been working to get that position um, recreated because um, of some changes with the structure of the state, that position no longer really existed, so we had to create our new one. And so Braille Transcriber will be posted soon. Um, Mr. Coffey had been the Chief Academic Officer, and for the, uh, starting next year, he will be the Assistant Principal instead of Chief Academic Officer. Um, we do have an elementary position open. It will be a co-teacher position for special needs um, students. So it's in addition to the visual impairment if they have a special needs or a learning disability. That's who that teacher will be for. So we do have that opening. And it just posted, I think, last week. Um, we have a new para paraprofessional. Her name is Laura Lee Logston. And she's actually a certified teacher. Um, she's in the paraprofessional position. She used to work at VIPS. Um, so she has a lot of experience with visual impairments. And then we just found out that Miss Isabel, our O&M, is having to move back to Por uh, Portugal. And so we will have an O&M opening um, in August that should be opening up. Uh, Miss Connie Hill, thankfully, just finished her O&M, so she's going to help Miss um, Stewart provide services until then. And then we have some pretty great retired O&Ms as well that we can call in for um, sub services if we need that. Um, but we're hoping to hire someone full-time as quickly as possible. It's just O&Ms are pretty hard to find. <laughs> they are scarce, Miss Denise. <laughs> Um, there is a large group going through UK's new O&M program, so we're excited about that, but they're probably six months to a year from graduating, so we have a little while before we can tap into those resources. Um, I've talked about the budget a little bit. Um, we are at a deficit when we start the year out just with personnel, um, just because I told you that those salary increases aren't accounted for in our budget line. So the Kentucky Department of Education is actually having, they're stepping in and they're uh, taking care of all of our operating expenses for the year. And so um, being a state school has its advantages and its disadvantages. This is definitely one of the advantages of where we couldn't operate without their support. And so it's really good that the commissioner is willing to um, provide that for us. Um, some things that we've done to try to help with the budget crisis is um, we've reduced our personnel expenses. Uh, we reduced days. The assistant principal, we reduced days. School psychologist and director of outreach all had a reduction of days. All of those employees were 240-day employees, and so they were reduced down to where they could still complete their job tasks, but um, like during the summer and such, um, not have as many days that the school was paying for. We're also doing cost analysis of our technology and our printing, and we have things put in place for that, and we're still just trying to get funding um, from, from any source we can, especially title funds. 
Um, we have moved offices in the building, so if you come in, then all of the administrator offices have been spread throughout the two classroom buildings, so we are not all in one location anymore. Now I'm over in the elementary wing so that I can um, assist in that area. Mr. Coffey's over more towards the middle and high, and Ms. Schuster, our guidance counselor, is somewhere in the middle. Um, so we've all spread out so that we can be um, more help for all the different areas. Um, Adam Stockhausen, who I mentioned, is starting the computer science pathway. Um, recently, uh, for July, he went to Washington State School for the Blind, and he uh, attended their conference for Experience Program and Quorum, and that's what he's going to use in his classes for engineering and such. And then, our seniors this year applied for a COSAIR grant. They worked um, extremely hard on the COSAIR grant. They did a lot of research. They networked. They worked with APH. Um, and they worked with one of the teachers, uh, Sondra Miller, at the school. And they turned in a grant for new water fountains for the classroom building. And we, we haven't heard yet whether or not they're going to obtain um, funding for that. But we're really hopeful that we'll get all new water fountains in both classroom buildings. Uh, Ms. Rader in our moderate to severe disabilities class um, has applied for the dollar store literacy grant. And so we're hopeful that she will get that as well for new materials in her classroom. And then of course the charitable foundation, um, are, they're gracious as ever. We received a $240,000 grant from the charitable foundation. And that really helps us with everything um, since the state has to cover our operating expenses already. So um, the charitable grant helps cover all of the added expenses for athle athletics. That's where most of that funding comes from. And um, any of the PT needs or physical therapy needs. Um, just lots of things that we couldn't get otherwise. So I would like to open up the floor for any questions that you may have. Could you give us an update on Hauser Hall, please? Oh, yes, I can. So you are all invited to the Hauser Hall Open House. Um, so Hauser, as you know, we thought it was going to be open in January, and then we thought March, and then we thought June, and then we thought July. It'll be just before school starts that um, that will open up. And so our students are actually going straight into Hauser. Um, and Miss Ashley, I'm sure she's pretty stressed out thinking about how everything is going to get moved over into Hauser. Um, in time before the students arrive, but um, Hauser, I've been through it. I went through it this past week, and it's, I mean, it really is a, a, a nice building. The students um, went in with the designers and helped uh, pick out different floor um, textures so that they could determine where they were at in the different locations. Miss Connie Hill, our low vision specialist, went through with the lighting and with all the colors, and so it was pretty intentional. Um, of how everything was developed, and so I can't wait for you to be able to see it. Um, I'm sure that we will find things that uh, need some correction once we get in there, but um, as of now, it, it's a really neat um, opportunity for our students to have such space. They had a greenhouse there a long time ago, and I was wondering if there's a chance it might be, you know, we get a new, get a new one or something. Mm -hmm. Um, that's also something that we've been looking at, and so we thought with Hauser Hall that there was going to be some funding involved in it to set up a greenhouse, 
And so they went ahead and they put down the utilities for a greenhouse outside of Hauser Hall. So that's already um, put down so that they could have, I think, gas, uh, so they could have some um, utilities there and water put there. Um, the problem is that Hauser Hall ended up costing a little bit more than what we expected, and so that took some of the funding. But the Lions Club has offered to assist with the greenhouse when we get that developed. So we've already had the architect make designs for it. We've already um, have the space put out for it. Um, it's just a matter of securing the funding for it. Um, and that's something that, you know, we'll also talk to the Charitable Foundation about as well uh, to see if they would be able to pitch in a little bit as well for that project. And then we also have um, the garden beds that have been developed in the meantime so we can at least teach students those uh, basic skills before the greenhouse is developed. In the past, the uh, Alumni Association has memorial plaques that have been hung in the classroom building and they had to take them down because they painted that and weren't put back up. And I did know if there was uh, plans that they might be able to be put back up and displayed somewhere? Yes, um, actually our operations supervisor, Mr. Aaron, he would like to get um, a section, not like a museum, but sort of like a museum of where we have um, a lot of the things that are just stored in rooms where we can have those out on display. And so those items could also be brought out for that as well. And so that's, that's definitely something that we're looking at. Um, that's pretty big on his list of things to do. I was wondering if uh, KSB has a, like a list of things that you would like to do if you had funding that individuals could contribute toward. We have a capital list, a six-year plan for things that, that we are needing. Other things that are on our list are intercom systems that work in all areas, in all buildings. Um, the doors uh, are iffy um, at best for our badge readers and just um, for opening and closing the doors. Um, this year we, we gave, I don't know how it was um, in the past, but all doors have to remain locked because of school safety laws. Um, and so one of the issues we were having are when our independent students were being able to walk from building to building, they weren't able to get in unless an adult was there. Well, that kind of decreases your independence when an adult has to be there to let you into the building. And so all the juniors and seniors receive badges, and that's actually one of the ideas that the student council that Alex was part on brought to me um, at the beginning of the year, that they wanted badges so that they could allow, um, they can open the doors for their other students. And so that worked so well um, for the kids, but that's if the badge readers were working. So um, anything to increase independence, then we're definitely looking at putting on our radar for funding for the, for the future. Um, but those are just a couple of the, the things that are really on our mind. Well, we really appreciate you coming and uh, filling us in. And it, there does seem to be some positive uh, things really going on. So thank okay. you again for giving up your Saturday to come. Thank you for having me. Page three. Our first article was posted on August 6th by Kelly Gask on ACP Leadership and is entitled Blind Man Sues Domino's Pizza Over Non-Handicap Accessible Website. The Supreme Court Might Hear the Case. This article was posted in dailycaller.com. 
Domino's Pizza has petitioned the Supreme Court to hear their case against Guillermo Robles, a blind man who is suing the company because their website is not accessible to blind people. Robles filed a lawsuit against Domino's three years ago after he wasn't able to order food on the company's website, according to CNBC. Robles says he tried using a screen-reading software, but it was incompatible with Domino's Pizza's website. Robles claims businesses must accommodate people with disabilities, not only in physical locations, but with websites and mobile apps as well, under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Domino's argues there are not clear standards by the government on how websites and mobile apps should apply with ADA. A federal appeals court has already agreed with Robles, but Domino's has petitioned for the Supreme Court to pick up the case. However, the Supreme Court will not decide if they will take up the case until the fall, after they get back from summer recess. Quote, if businesses are allowed to say, we do not have to make our websites accessible to blind people, that would be shutting blind people out of the economy in the 21st century. Chris Danielson, a representative for the National Federation of the Blind, told CNBC. But Title III says nothing about the accessibility of websites or applications on smartphones, whether standing alone or in connection with restaurants, stores, or any other brick-and-mortar establishments that qualify as public accommodations, Domino's argue in their petition to the Supreme Court. Domino's said no company wants to discriminate against people with disabilities, but these lawsuits put companies in an impossible situation. Unless this court steps in now, defendants must retool their websites to comply with Title III without any guidance on what accessibility in the online environment means for individuals with the variety of disabilities covered by the ADA, the petition says. It allegedly could cost $3 million per website to meet the web accessibility requirements. Quote, Although regulations for website accessibility have not been promulgated, the Department of Justice, on more than one occasion, has firmly stated that websites are covered under Title III of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Claire Stanley, advocacy and outreach specialist for the American Council of the Blind, told the Daily Caller. Stanley thinks Domino's is in the wrong for saying ADA does not cover websites and mobile apps. The circuit court made a unanimous decision that Domino's and other businesses have had more than 20 years of notice that they need to make their websites accessible to all customers. End of quote. Domino's revamped its website and app years ago after their sales started to go down and added the Domino's Pizza Tracker feature. It helped the company surpass Pizza Hut for the first time as the leading pizza chain, The Verge reported. However, Domino's deciding not to make their website accessible to blind people only alienated a large customer base, according to Stanley. The Supreme Court should not grant cert the case will only be labor an issue that is clearly in Mr. Robles' favor, an active member of the American Council of the Blind, Stanley concluded. 
This isn't the first time a company has been sued for their website not being compatible for people with disabilities. The number of lawsuits over this has gone from 814 in 2017 to over 2,200 in 2018, according to U.S. AbleNet. Chamber of Commerce, the Restaurant Law Center, and the National Retail Federation have all filed amicus briefs to support Domino's, CNBC reported. Quote, We do not comment on active litigation matters, a Domino's spokesman told the Daily Caller. Next, from August 8 on the leadership list, comes a press release from the VisionServe Alliance forming the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition. ACB is a member of the VisionServe Alliance and has representation on the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition. For immediate release, contact Lee Nasihi, N-A-S-E-H-I, telephone 314-961-8235, email l-e-e-n at visionservealliance, v-i-s-i-o-n-s-e-r-v-e, a-l-l-i-a-n-c-e dot o-r-g. Their website is visionservealliance.org. VisionServe Alliance forms Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition. St. Louis, Missouri, VisionServe Alliance announces it is spearheading the new Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition to tackle critical issues related to older people experiencing impaired sight as the result of age-related eye diseases. The coalition is comprised of 15 national, state, local, private, and public agencies representing broad constituencies who will advocate for equal access and quality of life for older Americans with vision loss. Age-related vision loss is reaching epidemic proportions as baby boomers attain advanced age. Currently, there are 25.5 million adults experiencing age-related diseases impairing vision. National Health Interview Survey, 2016. From 2015 to 2050, the number of adults aged 40-plus who are blind is expected to double from Varma et al., 2016. Informed by nationwide structured conversations with older people with vision loss and the expertise of the coalition members, many with over 40 years of experience in the field, the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition will begin their work by focusing on three key priorities. One, awareness. Increasing awareness among the general public, professionals, and especially seniors themselves and their families of the issues faced by older people with vision loss and the significant impact of professional vision rehabilitation services on sustaining their independence and dignity. 2. Funding. Enhancing Funding for vision rehabilitation services, including education, training, assistive devices, and technologies for older people with vision loss. 3. Expanding personnel. Expanding the pool of qualified professional vision impairment specialists through support for university programs and incentives for healthcare students to consider this specialty and 
providing broad training for allied health personnel. The coalition believes that improving public understanding of low vision and blindness is crucial, starting with older individuals themselves and including policymakers, family members, and service providers. Only through taking this fundamental step can we ensure equal access and promote the highest possible quality of life for older people with vision loss. Among the coalition members is the American Foundation for the Blind, AFB, which is handing off the 21st Century Agenda for Aging and Vision Loss to the coalition. The coalition will steward this important work initiated by AFB, created to raise awareness, facilitate increased and improved services, and protect and promote the rights of seniors with vision loss to lives of enjoyment, inclusion, and independence. With appropriate vision rehabilitation services and specific supports, older people with vision loss can age in place in their communities rather than moving into an institution. Vision rehabilitation reduces the hours needed for in-home care, reduces or prevents falls, accidents, and burns, improves communication, reducing social isolation, and teaches safe navigation, increasing physical movements and mobility. Yet, less than 3% of older people with vision loss are receiving the services that promote independent living in their home or living option, community and family engagement, and improved quality of life. The Coalition is issuing a call to action and invites interested individuals and organizations to join the work. Make the year 2020 the turning point for access to services older Americans with vision loss require to live independently and be active members of their community and families. VisionServe Alliance is an association of chief executives and their leadership teams of 501c3 nonprofits throughout the United States and provides unique and specialized services to people who are blind or have low vision. We bring together the full diversity of services for one conversation with the ultimate goal of unifying the many issues and organizations operating independently of one another in the field. Members include organizations focusing on national advocacy and or service issues, employment and manufacturing, adult vision rehabilitation, K-12 residential and online schools, early intervention and preschool, dog guides, low vision clinics, and braille production. We focus on collaborative projects, national trends, stronger management and leadership, and advocacy issues important to the field. For information, visit the website at visionservealliance.org or email us at info at visionservealliance.org. AVLNC represented organizations include the American Council of the Blind, ACB, American Foundation for the Blind, AFB, Association for Education and Rehabilitation of the Blind and Visually Impaired, AER, Florida Agencies Serving the Blind, Helen Keller National Center, the Johns Hopkins Wilmer Eye Institute, Mississippi State University OIB-TAC, National Council of State Agencies for the Blind, National Council on Aging, NCOA, 
New View, Oklahoma, Prevent Blindness, Visions slash Services for the Visually Impaired, Vision Serve Alliance, and Independent Advocates. The following was posted by Claire Stanley from the ACB National Office on ACB Leadership. Final Statement of Enforcement Priorities Regarding Service Animals by the Federal Aviation Commission. On Thursday, August 8, the Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, put out a final statement of enforcement priorities regarding service animals. The statement responded to comments provided by a myriad of advocacy groups after an interim statement was issued in May of 2019. This final statement supersedes previous statements. The new statement provides several provisions that positively impact the travel of guide dog users. First, service animal users are not required to provide advance notice to airlines before they travel with their service animals. Airlines previously proposed new policies that would require up to 48 hours of notice before a passenger flew with a service animal. However, the final statement prevents airlines from doing so for people flying with service animals. Airlines can only request such notice if the flight will exceed 8 hours in length. This guideline allows for service animals to fly more easily without having to pre-plan before trips. In the instance where the flight will exceed 8 hours, an airline can then ask for documentation that the dog will not have to relieve on the plane. Also, the airline can request early check-in for such situations. Next, if a situation presents itself where an airline employee questions the legitimacy of a service animal, the airline employee is allowed to ask limited questions concerning proof that the dog is a service animal. This limited questioning is comparable to the three questions business owners are permitted to ask patrons under the Americans with Disabilities Act, when the legitimacy of a service animal arises. Finally, a request for documentation is only permitted when determining whether a dog poses a direct threat to other travelers or airline employees. If an employee believes a service dog poses such a threat, the airline is allowed to ask for documentation to demonstrate factors such as the existence of vaccinations, the behavior of the dog, or the history of the dog's training. The test used to determine what documentation is permissible is that the documentation must be reasonable to believe that it would assist in determining if the dog poses a direct threat. The final statement also stressed that breed and age restrictions for dogs are not impermissible. The FAA stated that a notice of proposed rulemaking should be issued in the fall of 2019. ACB encourages everyone to submit comments at that time. For more information or to read the statement in its entirety, visit https colon slash slash www slash transportation dot gov slash air consumer A-I-R-C-O-N-S-U-M-E-R slash latest L-A-T-E-S-T Dash News. APH is nearby explorer. 
is a full-featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. Send to Braille is a free tool for creating a Braille file quickly in Windows. It adds a shortcut to your Send to Folder menu. Once installed, simply point to a file, right-click, select Send to, select Braille, to create a quick Braille file instantly. Download Send to Braille from the American Printing House for the Blind at tech.aph.org lt. Page 4, The Sound Prints Calendar. On August 13, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will be holding its monthly meeting in Owensboro from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. The meeting place has changed. It is now the Wesleyan Heights United Methodist Church at 1215 Sherm Road in Owensboro. The speaker will be Danny Wayne Beamer and Dee Dodd from the Wabash Independent Living and Learning Center in Terre Haute, Indiana. They will share information about effective lighting. For more information, call 270-684-4418 or 270-686-8689. On August 13, the Savvy Board will meet at 7 p.m. Central Time at the Zoom line at 669 Nine zero zero six eight three three. The code is three five seven two five nine five one nine three. On August fourteen, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its monthly meeting by phone at seven p.m. Eastern Time. Call six zero five four seven five forty seven hundred and enter code one five five six one nine. On August fourteen, the KCB PR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone on the line at 669-900-6833. The code is 3572-595-193. August 16, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have a roundabout. 3.30 to 5 will be Education and Technology. 5 to 6 will be sharing new products or your favorite products at the grocery store. Dinner is at 6 p.m., and after dinner will be a music activity where we will share camp songs and other fun songs. Plan to attend. It's at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. To sign up, call 502-895-4598. On August 17, Savvy, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, will have a booth at the Special Needs Expo in Owensboro from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Stop by their booth for information about visual impairment and learn about Savvy at the Owensboro Convention Center, 501 West 2nd Street in Owensboro. And remember, times are central time in Owensboro. August 18 is the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Board meeting. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On August 19, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its board meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at 669-900-6833, enter code 
On August 22, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next in-person support group meeting from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. in Louisville. This is a great activity for those who are experiencing vision loss or who have had vision loss for several years at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. For more information on our low vision activities, call us at 502-895-4598. On August 23, GLCB will have another roundabout. Education and Technology, 3.30 to 5. The Tip Sheet, from 5 to 5.30. Page Turners, where you share a good book, 5.30 to 6. Dinner, 6 to 7. And KCB Next Generation activities at 7 o'clock, as well as Word Games. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 State Street in Louisville, Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. August 24 is Bards and Storytellers, Blind Faith, 1 to 3 p.m. at the American Printing House Museum. Blind Faith follows David, a successful business executive, as he struggles to come to terms with the loss of his vision. In particular, it focuses on the relationship between David and his daughter Anna, how it changes, how they change, what it's like to be a parent who is blind, and what it's like to have a blind father. Filmmaker Isabel Hill will introduce the film and moderate the post-film discussion. The event is free, but registration is required. Best for adults and older children. For more information, call 502-899-2213. August 24 is the ACB Next Generation Saturday Night Live Hangout at 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. ACB members and individuals under the age of 40 from across the country are invited to join this nationwide Saturday night chat focusing on a particular topic. For more information, call Amanda Salm at 502-750-1774. The number for the chat is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572 595193. On August 25, ACB Families will hold its support group meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and entering code 796096. August 26 is the next meeting of the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana. This is also a statewide conference call at 7 p.m. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On August 26, the Savvy Budget Committee will meet at 8 p.m. Central Time on the line at 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572-595193. August 27 is the ACB Next Generation Nationwide Organizational Development Committee Conference Call at 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. On August 28, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its next peer support group meeting from noon to 2 p.m. in Lexington, Kentucky. 1093 South Broadway is their address. For more information, call BCB at 
259-1834. On August 30, GLCB will have its last roundabout of the month. There will be education and technology from 3.30 to 5, discussion time 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, and games and other activities from 7 to 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, call 502-895-4598 to sign up. Looking ahead to September, on September 1, the Greater Louisville Council of Blind Committees will meet. 7 p.m. is the Advocacy Committee and 8 p.m. is the Education, Activities, and Technology Committee. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On September 2, the Savvy Program Committee will meet at 7 p.m. Central Time at the Zoom line 669-900-6833, enter code 3572-595-193. On September 3, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have a support group meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is a call for individuals statewide who are experiencing low vision. You're encouraged to come and ask questions, share tips, and offer comments. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. On September 5, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its monthly conference call at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. This is an excellent opportunity for blind lions across the country to share ideas about how to become more involved in their local clubs. The number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. On September 6, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its quarterly fall meeting. This will replace the roundabout meeting for that day. The evening will begin with a few roundabout activities at 3.30 The bargain table and sign-in will begin at 4.30. Program will start around 5.15 with dinner at 6 and business meeting to follow. Dinner is $6 per person. All activities will conclude by 8.30 p.m. So make return rides around quarter to 9 or 9 o'clock. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, sign up by calling 502 895-4598. On September 8, KCB Next Generation will have a meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is the regular statewide monthly chapter meeting for visually impaired Kentuckians 40 and under. Call 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. On September 8, ACB Families will hold a meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. This will be a combined business meeting and program. Call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. On September 10, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, Savvy, will have a picnic from noon to 2.30 p.m. Central Time. For more information, call 270-684-4418 or 270-686-686. 8689. On September 10, the Savvy Board will meet at 7 p.m. Central Time. 
The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. Other important dates that are coming up include the Kentucky Council of the Blind Statewide Convention, November 15 and 16 in Louisville. The hotel will be the Ramada Inn. Room rates are 79 a night. You can make reservations by calling 502-897-5101. And the meetings and all conference activities will be held at United Crescent Hill Ministries. KCB will be providing Uber and Lyft transportation between the Ramada and UCHM upon request. On Saturday, December 7, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind and other chapters in the area will hold our all-council Christmas party. The time and specific activities will be announced in a coming sound prints. And then on December 8 will be the annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction. Lots of bidding, fun, and surprises, and a chance to hear from people all across the country. It will be broadcasting from the Radio Storm through ACB Radio. Plan to listen now from 6 p.m. Eastern until all items are sold. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.